Hey, everybody. Welcome to Feisty Founders, the podcast from Kali, where we fuel your entrepreneurial spirit and take a deep dive into what it really takes to be a founder. Today, we have Katie Diasti joining us. She's the co-founder of Viv. Katie combined her passion for sustainable living, business, and empowering women to build a brand that makes sustainable menstrual products more convenient for modern menstruators. Viv was actually started as a class assignment that Katie was working on during her senior year of college, and she just never stopped. Since the full launch in January 2020, Viv has given back by donating over 4,000 pads to shelters and creating initiatives and products that donate directly to Black Lives Matters organizations. Please welcome Katie Diasti. Hi everyone, thanks for having me. Um, so my company's name is Viv and we're an earth-friendly period care brand is what we call ourselves. And we have these innovative new products that are made out of bamboo fiber and are biodegradable and they're plastic-free and toxin-free and we deliver right to our customers' doors. That is amazing. I think that this is such an important space to be in and I think that we're seeing a lot more people becoming more and more aware of how of just the necessity for earth-friendly menstrual products. Have you noticed that as well, that your sort of your demographic in terms of your target market has started to expand in recent years? Yeah, that has been super fascinating um, to understand. One, in the beginning, how little we knew about the products we were using and how little we knew about our own bodies. Um, but now that people are understanding more about like the toxins in traditional products and some more about plastic, it's awesome. But at the same time, I'm finding that a lot of people still have no idea how much plastic waste is involved in traditional period care. So still some education. But once people learn about it, they're like, oh, my gosh, I cannot believe I've been doing that this way for so long. Yeah, I think that there's definitely a learning curve and you kind of have to get over that initial barrier to entry with a lot of your sort of clients or customers there. So it's really great to see that you guys have Mm -hmm. been doing a lot of the educational elements. I've seen that a lot on your guys' social media and things like that. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's definitely fun to engage with the community more on an education level. I think it makes us a little bit unique as a brand that we get to just help people understand themselves and their body a bit better more than just like selling the product. Yeah, absolutely. And so Katie, back us back us up a little bit. What inspired you to start this company? And tell me a little bit about your relationship with your co-founder, Izzy. Yeah, um, totally. So we, I was actually in college um, when I was beginning this concept. I was in my senior year at Boston College. Great. And I was really fascinated um, by brands that are making an impact and were representing the voices of others that were less um, represented, those that were marginalized. And we were seeing that these brands were kind of becoming the voice of people when the government wasn't really doing their job of doing so. Um, And so I was more studying one branding, but two, um, this concept called managing social impact. So understanding how brands and businesses and corporations can be more ethical. Uh, And so for a while, I had this dream of like either working for or starting my own ethical company. Um, And I was in a class project my senior year called entrepreneurial marketing. And it was just one of my marketing electives. And I didn't know much about entrepreneurship at all at the time. But I had a class, a semester long class assignment, and it was like, find a problem, come up with a solution for Mm -hmm. it. Very classic entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. 
And I was really fascinated by all these new like hygiene brands that were popping up in different realms. And I was trying to be more sustainable in my own life. Mm. And so we were working to, I was working to like reduce plastic waste here and there, you know, bringing my coffee cup to the coffee shops on campus, like little things that in my mind were like taking some effort and making an impact. Um, And then I started doing research on um, more of the toxin-free brands on the market and found that they were still using a lot of plastic. And then I read how much plastic waste was in traditional period products and was completely shocked and um, couldn't find an alternative that I personally would want. And so when I was like, hmm, if I don't have an alternative that I'm gravitated towards there's probably other people like me that would want something better and something different and so that's when I just started building what Viv is now on paper and um gave my final at the end of the semester and I worked so hard during that semester (laughs) on this one class like was seriously ignoring all my other classes and was going I was going to the science department and thinking about like, or asking them about like new sustainable fibers. And then I was like going to my old marketing research professors and having them like look over surveys I was making, like putting a ton of effort. So it was like very clear where my passions were yeah. lying, um, which was nice. And then uh, I gave my final at the end of that semester, which was like a pitch. And, you know, I had my deck all ready to go. I like spent so much time on it. And um, I, at the end of it, I was like furiously like writing down all these notes on the feedback I was getting. And um, in that time, I probably should have just been done like on winter break, like second semester senior in college, like chilling, had a job lined up, like all of these things. But I was like, no, like I want to make this better. I wanted to see it grow, Um, which was for me, I think the first sign that I was building a business and not just like doing a homework assignment. Yeah. So that has a very early concept of Viv. I love it. And so it sounds like you were pretty much building or planting the seeds for Viv while you were a college senior. And it it sounds like this was really where your passion was lying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it really was. Um, And it was nice because my university had this like accelerator thing for students with startup ideas. And I did that during my senior spring and it was so fascinating getting to learn about this like new world of entrepreneurship and all the amazing innovations like we as young people can create and bring to the world. Um, so that was an amazing thing to get involved in and even like end my college career on. Oh, no kidding. Um, That's so amazing. So tell yeah, me about this yeah. accelerator. Was it, was there a sort of financial component to it or was it mostly just geared towards student entrepreneurs and getting products out there into the market? Yeah, um, a little bit both. It was a tiny bit of money. I mean, it seemed like a lot to me then. And I was like, wow, like, look how much you can do. And then um, it was a lot of mentorship and like workshops mm. and understanding what like, product market fit was and like how to get traction. It's like things I never understood prior to that time. Um, and that's when we met some of our mentors today and where we've even met um, more people that have helped us get into other accelerators now we've been in three total oh my which gosh sounds like a lot that is a lot <laughs> totally be proud of that it is a lot. <laughs> um yeah so we're, we're in our third one right now um but 
that was where we even got like our first investors was from the people that were some people that were running and helping out with that accelerator. So tell me a little bit more about the accelerators you've been in. I think that this podcast is really geared towards people who are interested in starting businesses and who or or organizations, mm-hmm. nonprofits, and just to kind of understand the landscape of, you know, what really adds value. And so for me and my experience, you know, I wish that I had taken advantage of some of the entrepreneurial activities that my my undergraduate university offered UC Berkeley. I just wasn't kind of on the mm-hmm. entrepreneurial wavelength at that time, but there was so much to be offered. Totally. But now, you know, accelerators are kind of the, the next level area where I think early stage entrepreneurs mm-hmm. can go to to really gain a lot of just growth in a short period of time. So what was your experience with accelerators and what prompted you to apply and go through so many different accelerators? <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. Um, well, I think the well, the one I went into next was actually like a week after I graduated college. Oh, wow. um, and I, I had to figure out in like a week or two, like how to get back to like I had graduated from Boston College. I went back home to Florida for like five days and then came right back to Boston to start this accelerator. And it was a mixture of like alumni from my university had put on this accelerator and it was really valuable because they truly wanted to believe they were investing in you more than anything else. And um, that was really refreshing because it was a lot of like personal growth during that time. And it's not easy to start a company. <laughs> if anyone's <laughs> coming listening to this, it's like, don't do it if you want to have a more like fun, easy life. Like, no, no kidding. It's the boarding thing ever. And it's, I think it's like a total blast, but it's not a walk in the park for sure. Um, yeah. I think that's, that's great my, advice for anyone who's interested in starting a business. It's yeah. recognizing that it is hard. <laughs> it's not like you get a, you know, have complete total control over your schedule and you don't have to go, you know, work mm-hmm. for a corporation or something like that, but it's got its own sort right. of challenges that arise for sure. Exactly. There's not a sign off time at the end of the day, <laughs> unless you're giving it to yourself, which is great. I think that's something I should probably work on. Um, but yeah, that was what I learned a lot about that summer was just like what it meant to be an entrepreneur, how to do it. Like I was, what, 22 years old. I had just turned 22, like a week into the accelerator and I was my own boss and was trying to give myself structure um, and that was really fascinating, but more than anything else, it was a lot of a head game. I was like waiting until I was ready to actually start like looking at manufacturing and launching products, but looking back, like, and it took me a while to figure this out. There was no time when you're ready, you know, it wasn't, there's no time when like, oh, I have this X amount of experience so I can start a company. That's just simply not how it works. It's like, you have to begin way before you're ready and you'll figure out when you're ready, like halfway through it. Yeah. <laughs> That's, um, that was kind of the barrier. But um, then eventually I like hit this stride and was finding a manufacturer and was building an online community and was figuring out what my brand voice was and how we were going to be different than anything else out there. And, um, it was really nice because that, that's what I loved so much was like building community through brand and, and through voices through brands. Um, so that's been some of my favorite parts is just being able to like tell our story and educate people through a whole other concept that I never had done before. Um, and so, yeah, that was through our second accelerator. And then I gave our our pitch um, for a final pitch of the accelerator at our demo day at the end of August and then we ended up um, preparing and launching our pre-orders in October of 2019. Okay. Um, 
So yeah, then a few months later, I was jumping into that. So you're almost a year into having launched product, essentially. No, we were... Um, oh, that was pre Oh, now. Now, right? Yeah. Now you are. Yeah, yeah. so that was pre-orders. Um, we did our full, like, had our inventory shipping out in January 2020. So it depends. But yeah, now we're almost a year from pre- pre-orders. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. Congratulations. <laughs> that's a huge milestone. Yeah, um, time flies. 2020 has flown by. But it's been, a, a, been a doozy for many reasons. And I think time is definitely <laughs> a factor in that. Yeah, and that was a big learning curve. So now I think accelerators are amazing for young founders, new founders, people that want more structure, um, because it's amazing to have other companies that are also building something from the ground up really, really early stage that need to be supportive and need other support from fellow founders. And it can be a lonely journey because at this time I was still working alone. um, And I was a solo founder. So I was like, "Mm, it's really nice to be working around other startups and have a community there. So definitely recommend like getting a network of fellow like young founders or fellow founders that are trying to do similar things, because that's been so crucial to our morale and where we're now and asking questions that we're too embarrassed to ask, like advisors or important people. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, yeah. And then we're, you know, we're chugging along. And then, um, I met Izzy a few years prior to this here and there. She was actually my college roommate's, um, best friend from home. Oh my (laughs) gosh. But um, she moved to Boston to do like operations work um, at a big company. And um, I was like, oh, my gosh, immediately you have to come hang out with me. Like brand new city. She didn't know anyone. But I had been in Boston for four years at this point. So um, had some friends around and we immediately became like best friends and we're spending a lot of time together. So when those boxes first came at like the first week of January she was there like helping me into like midnight packing boxes and all of our pre-orders and it was just like very much firsthand seeing what it took to build a company in a really early early stage and I would go to markets around Boston and do tabling events and just like trying to get the name out there I think one time we went to a holiday market in December and we didn't even have our inventory yet and I just sat there with at a table with like designed boxes and that were empty with a few samples in it and like signage and like cards and just started talking to literally every person that walked by. And I was like, Hey, want to talk about periods? And <laughs> Izzy like helped me out with the that best event. intro sentence there is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it was really fun because it was such a variety of reactions to that phrase right it's like some people were like what the heck and then some people were like yeah I do so um I think I learned so much just getting in front of customers and I know it's such a hard thing to do now it's not like you can set up a table outside anymore and like expect people to engage in the same way they used to um but now we're mimicking that and more of like calling our customers and getting on the phone to them interviewing them um, yeah, that was very early stage. Um, and then finally our products arrived in January and, uh, we started shipping out pre-orders and we're still chugging along. And then, um, of course COVID hit. And I think 
a week or two before things started shutting down, um, Izzy quit her job to join me full time. Our first few months of me, like I would call onboarding her, we were remote. We, I went back oh, wow. to my hometown, Florida, and she was in San Francisco in her hometown. And we were like three hour time difference working on, on starting a company together, um, which is probably not the most normal way of beginning a startup. Um, at least didn't feel like it, but it was an awesome opportunity. And we got a lot done in a short period of time, which was very cool. That sounds really, really incredible. So it sounds like to me, the universe was just conspiring to have you do this from taking this first class in college to even finding your co-founder Izzy. And it sounded like that was just such a seamless process, which is really great to hear because um, I think for a lot of people, finding a co-founder can be really tough and finding somebody like, so one question that I have is, you know, it sounds like Izzy was your best friend. You guys are very, very close friends. What was it like to take mm-hmm. that relationship from being simply friends to taking it and being business partners? Because there's, you know, being having a business partner, it's like a marriage. You're you're really committing to them yeah. for the long oh, haul. Yeah. What what was that transition like for you guys? <laughs> oh my gosh, I know I still joke with Izzy and tell her we're an old married couple like every day. <laughs> so now it's really fun because we also live together. Um, mm. right now. So we're living together, working together and spend most of our time together because we are still like very close friends. Um, and it, it's such an interesting balance and we'll just be like out and about or like hanging out with people and we're like, oh, we got to like reach out to this person about this idea. And we'll just start talking about work and we're trying to be better about that and separating, you know, friendship from work to like roommates, like all of these things. Um, but I think it's fun. Like I know people are like, oh, like don't live or with your or don't be friends with the people you work with. Don't live with with live with the people you work with. I'm sure is a thing. But <laughs> we think it's so valuable on an early stage to just from the moment like we get up, like be thinking creatively together and like be able to have if we ever need a quarantine intensely again. Like Viv headquarters is our apartment, so it's gonna be okay. Um, that sounds and much easier than remotely trying to connect right? with each other. Exactly. I think it's just been more of a gift than anything else. Um, so yeah, it definitely takes some balance here and there, but it hasn't been too bad yet. <laughs> I love to hear that. I'm really, I'm very glad to hear that. And I think that, you know, if you can make it through <laughs> COVID together and working remotely, then hopefully you can make it through many other challenges. Oh, Exactly. Exactly. And so you touched upon something there just now about having boundaries between work and personal life. And when you're a founder, Mm -hmm. your work life is just so embedded into your day to day life because it never really stops. Right. It's not like a nine to five. You're done with work. Okay, I don't have to think about anything very much anymore. You said you are working Mm -hmm. on this. Tell me a little bit about your experience with setting up boundaries and trying to find kind of a harmony between work and personal life and then also you know self-care and and honing in on on keeping your own body mind spirit what have you healthy and recharged so that you can show up to work and kind of be the powerhouse that you are Mm -hmm. i think our culture um was tends to praise being tired and being (laughs) overworked And it's like, oh my gosh, she got no sleep and she like has 50 things to do today. Like what a badass. And it's like, "Mm, 
maybe we should be rethinking that. I'm kidding. Um, and I was absolutely guilty of this for so long. Like I, even in college, would pack my days from like 7.30 a.m. to like 11.30 p.m. Like oh by gosh. the 30 watts and like always had something that I needed to be doing. And um, and I was just like constantly tired and like you don't you just perform less well. And I think after seeing especially like friends entering their nine to five jobs and like having evenings to themselves, it was a little bit unrealistic to continue on like those bad habits of just like overworking myself. But um, and it definitely got to a point when I felt like I think at the end of uh, an accelerator and stuff, I was starting to burn out a little bit and could feel that inside me. And I was like, why is it so hard to get up in the morning these days? Like, why am I like not performing as well? Like, why do I not feel any mental clarity? And that's because I wasn't practicing self-care at all. I was like mad at myself if I wasn't up and out. I'm like at the crack of dawn, like working. And I realized for a while, after a while that that was just not sustainable and it wasn't productive. And it's more unproductive to push myself to the point of breaking than to just take breaks and listen to my body. So now I've been much better about taking breaks and practicing self-care and um, knowing when to like not look at screens any longer has been really important, especially like with all of us being home. And I feel like I'm constantly staring at a screen some days and I have to tune in with myself and be like, hey, maybe you should not do that. Yeah. And of course, it's like easier said than done some days. Some days Izzy's like, and it's great having um, Izzy living with me too and like us checking in on each other. And she's like, hey, you've been working and it's really late. Like maybe we should wait to do this tomorrow. And it's like, oh yeah. So it's like another voice. Of so she's kind of like an accountability um, partner for you. Exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. amazing to hear. I think it is really interesting. And you kind of touched upon just the cultural influence and in and, and startup culture as well. It's very much like hustle. <laughs> you have to work 17 hour days. If you don't do this, you will not make it. You will not be successful. And it, there's so much flaws to it. And I know personally, as a founder, I went through that where I was like, oh my gosh, I don't work 17 hour days. Does this mean I'm not worthy of being a founder or I'm not passionate enough about my mm -hmm. my company or all of these different elements that kind of come in and you know the self-doubt creeps in if you're not upholding to that mm -hmm. standard oh, and yeah. what's really interesting for somebody like you and for me as well who also works in the menstrual sort of wellness and hygiene space mm -hmm. is to also recognize that the work that we're doing is really about helping individuals connect more to their bodies, right? It's about having them be more aware of their bodies mm -hmm. and, and employing these different elements of self-care. And menstruation is such a cyclical mm -hmm. process, obviously. It does not work yeah. in kind of the patriarchal format of please, please, please go, 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 go. It's, you know, some days mm -hmm. you're slower and some days you're ready to hustle, but it's not so consistent. So it's really great to hear you kind of talking about that and overcoming some of those hurdles for you mm -hmm. as you've worked more on kind of integrating some sort of balance between your personal life and your work life. Definitely. Yes, I know. And we create a lot of content and blogs and do like IG lives and stuff relating to this topic. And I have to remind myself that I need to practice when I'm preaching. Like I need to take our own advice. Like we named our company Viv as like to personify a brand almost. And so we're like, okay, Viv is telling us that like we need to listen to our advice. Like, did you listen oh, to I Viv? And it's nice because it's like this third party, like 
helping us take care of ourselves. <laughs> that is so clever. I was actually curious about kind of the origin of your name. And it, it is sort of, I mean, it has, you know, the V obviously sort of connotes some sort mm -hmm. of vagina <laughs> there but also I like the idea of it being kind of its own entity its own person that's you know keeping you guys checked in I guess seriously yes and and that's who it is for our all of our customers and our community and everyone else it's that person you can look up to and we always say that she's this bold activist person and whenever we need like an extra confidence boost like maybe before a big pitch or before a big like photo shoot of content then we channel viv and our whole team does the same thing which is really fun. <laughs> that's super cute and um, and so speaking of your team is it just the two of you or do you guys have a couple of other people working with you now yeah, we have a couple other people now. It's funny, it was just me for so long and now it's like Izzy's here and then Catherine, who I actually went to BC with and we were on an e-board of like a student organization together. So we were really familiar working with each other and she just joined us full-time as oh well. Gosh. And then we have a bunch of like college reps slash interns that are just so passionate about what we're doing and building a company and especially relating to... Um, a menstrual hygiene product. So that's been really nice to get involved with more of like the Boston University ecosystem because that's where a lot of them come from. Some others, um, other places outside of Boston too. So yeah, our team is like sneaky getting bigger and it's really exciting. As you go along, that's great. And what's it like to have a team in remote times during COVID experiencing this, mm -hmm. you know, obviously daily Zoom meetings have become kind of the norm. How have you kind of experienced that while also growing your team? Yeah, it's really interesting because um, I think just being a young millennial Gen Zer type person, I've really valued like what company cultures organizations have and how um, like what that looks like. And in practice, it seems very different virtually. So I've always like dreamed of what my ideal company culture would be, but it's a lot harder to mimic um, when you've in a different format than I've ever experienced. Um, so we always try to make sure that we're starting our calls by like making people feel really comfortable and heard and whether that be like posing a fun question just and everyone contributes. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's been really interesting understanding how to adjust and create company culture during this time. So we've been trying to start by creating more of an open and welcome environment, encouraging people to not put themselves on mute and to... That's oh, good. That That's a smart idea, people. actually. <laughs> it's like, it's awkward if I tell a joke and then everyone's on mute and I'm like, was it not funny? <laughs> Are you guys laughing or is it just crickets? <laughs> Which is it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> seriously. So we always encourage that. And then we've just been like posing fun questions at the beginning of our meetings to just keep people more of like in tune with their creativity, but also just like speaking up a bit yeah. more. And there's only so much you can do to build out company culture virtually right so like i mean my team we've got <laughs> slack channels and we have a ton of interns based out yeah. of uc berkeley and we try to do like a cool things to share and have people share you know fun stuff that's happening in their lives but a lot of times that stuff just kind of gets swept under the rug when it gets down to the point of mm -hmm. you know these are the tasks that we have to accomplish let's work on these milestones how have you right. worked on creating culture to kind of that next level degree 
I think a lot of the work we're doing directly ties into culture. So we're um, whenever we even do like a content creating session, it's like, okay, like what is going to empower like people like us? And what's nice is our team is our target audience. Like we are all young people that are eco-conscious and socially active. And um, those are, that's exactly who we are targeting. So it's been cool because as we do either brainstorming sessions or even tasks, it's all based on the same goal, um, which has been crucial. So even if we're not doing as many like fun questions of the days and like traditional culture stuff, like a Zoom happy hour, it's still being implemented in just our tasks too. That's great. Yeah. Sometimes you got to put it on a checklist, otherwise it won't get done, right? (laughs) What a great conversation with such a young and ambitious founder. Don't worry, folks, we're not done yet. We're going to take a break here, but please tune in to part two of this episode to hear more about Katie's journey as a powerhouse woman CEO. 